Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Inner Revolution podcast. This is your host, Jason Moore. And I want to consider a thought today with you. Uh, and I, I just got to say, first of all, thanks so much for all of you that responded to a discussion question I had on Facebook. Uh, the difference between being effective and fruitful. And I'd like to uh, kind of bring out a context of the question uh, and discuss it with you today or have you think about it in your own heart. What does it mean to be effective or what does it mean to be fruitful? And I think it comes down to uh, this thought about fainting versus focused uh, there is such a, a fainting that goes on in our world. I don't know about you in this last year, it's been unprecedented uh, just how our country has been shut down over this pandemic. And thankfully, it seems like we're all coming out of it now. But what have we learned over this past year? What have we learned spiritually? What have we learned naturally? Uh, what have we learned even about our own self, about what we value? Prayerfully, I hope that uh, through this uh, past year and looking forward into our bright future that we have learned something from uh, how we have responded and thought and acted through the pandemic. I think focus has a huge, uh, there's a huge variable or a huge part of, of how focus produces fruit in our life. You know, uh, Concentration is the highest form of worship when we concentrate and put our mind and our attention on the Word of God. So how does this make us effective, or how does this make us fruitful? Well, uh, when we think about those two words, effective, we can be naturally effective, we can use our talents, we can use our gifts, and really... Uh, you know, be, we can get the job done, we can meet the task, we can uh, certainly uh, advance through being effective. But fruitfulness, and so many of you made this beautiful, um, this beautiful contrast that fruitfulness really comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we can be fruitful, and it may not seem that we're effective. You know, we have our own goals, we have our own ideas, but fruitfulness comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes through the work of the Spirit. <clears throat> it comes through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because, um, <clears throat> you know, I think of missionaries that, you know, they served years and years and had very little converts. But the few converts that they had turned the whole nation upside down. Why? Because there was, uh, there was a transference of God's life. There was a transference of the work of God. And being effective is very good. There's nothing wrong with being effective. We all want to make a difference. But fruitfulness is a legacy. Fruitfulness is when we, uh, when, when there's that, that tr transformation, not just duplication, but transformation into another person's life. Um, and that vision is not uh, just taught somebody, but it's really caught. So fruitfulness is what we all desire and in John 15, 16, our fruit remains if we disciple people in the love of God. We can be effective and busy and busy 
and meet goals and and reach desired objectives. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think we should always have a plan. And when we have a plan, we can plan to be spontaneous as well. Uh, I think of that illustration of the door on the hinges. You know, every big door needs hinges to sit on so it can uh, open and close. Without hinges, uh, the door uh, doesn't stand in place. So a plan, we could say, is very important but also spontaneity and flexibility and adaptability. These are key elements of, of uh, fruitfulness, right? Especially when dealing with people, because oftentimes things will not go the way that you had planned. They'll take longer than you'd planned, and they may look very different than what you had planned. <laughs> but the beautiful thing is, is when we are investing the word and life of God there is fruit, there are seeds being planted in someone's heart that takes time to water and it takes time for a harvest. So do not give up. We see that in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1, to receive mercy so that we do not faint. And I'd like to think about that word fainting for a minute. Now fainting uh, in the context of these verses and also Psalm 27 that we're going to read today is it first starts in the mind. It means that we stop focusing on the things of God. We start to be double-minded. We start to vacillate. We start to magnify the wrong thing. And uh, so focus is super important. And we see that focus uh, helps develop fruitfulness. And so, you know, uh, a beautiful statement from our, from our founding pastor, he said this, he says that, when we focus or concentrate on the Word of God, it's the highest form of worship. Why is that? It's because I think sometimes we're moving so fast that we do not let things penetrate our heart. We do not let things actually uh, process through the many layers of our soul, but we just acknowledge it, recognize it, and move on. But really, anything that is anything, I mean, just think about relationships in general, romance, or uh, any any meaningful relationship takes time to develop, takes time to process, takes time to uh, really uh, focus on the other person and really uh, know them, know them in the right way. Well, I'd like us to think about here in Psalm 27, uh, 7 through 14, and these are great verses that will help us not faint. Now, maybe today you've got burdens in your life, like we all do, problems, challenges, and uh, they can weigh you down. They can uh, make us heavy laden in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. But the promises as we come to the Lord, he promises to bear our burdens. It doesn't necessarily mean he may take them away. It just means that he will do the heavy lifting. And this comes through focus. This comes through uh, looking away and unto Jesus you know, and it also means that we look unto Jesus first, and then we look unto our problems, or we look unto our situations. And this really is key to uh, growing and being fruitful in our trials. Uh, I think of a beautiful statement, we bloom where we're planted. You know, uh, spring is coming. We've been enjoying these nice warm temperatures and thinking that, you know, the, the, the hard ground is being softened and the plants are starting to shoot up through the ground. These are great 
these are great, uh, the great miracle of life that we, that's been hibernating all these months. Now we're going to see it again. So, you know, again, focus, you know, focusing to really have a, uh, a laser focus on the things to magnify the right things in our life that produce uh, life, joy, and the fruits of the spirit. Well, the writer is saying here, hear, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. When you say, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face from me, put not thy service o servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of the, mine enemies, and deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses have rised up against me and breathe out cruelty. And this is the verse. This is interesting. Notice the context here. So he is crying out to the Lord. David is, uh, you know, under pressure. He's under stress, but his focus, his prayer, his, he is magnifying the Lord. And then he says this, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So here's some really good instructions that help us with focus, because uh, I don't know about you, we can have spiritual ADHD. We can really have trouble zeroing in and drilling down on the things that matter. Our world is busy, our world is noisy, and it takes time to quiet ourselves, to live in stillness, to really hear what the Spirit is saying. And so David is saying, again, have mercy upon me and answer me. Again, who is he talking to? He's talking to the Lord, obviously. He's calling out and he is asking uh, not only for his answer, but for mercy, first of all. So mercy, focusing on mercy it helps us magnify the right things. And that's number one. We want to magnify the right things, just like a microscope would uh, enhance the view or magnify the view of something that's very small to the naked eye. We also need a microscope of mercy uh, in our marriages, uh, in our relationships, in our jobs, <clears throat> in our day-to-day -day living. We need to understand how mercy is that lens that helps us magnify things in the right way. <clears throat> now, we can magnify the wrong thing. We can make little things, big things in our hearts, maybe things that people have done to us or broken, uh, just broken promises or dashed expectations, misguided expectations. And it can really control and really set us into a downward spiral but what does mercy do? Mercy shows us what we have been so generously given by God. And we realize, wow, I've been given so much mercy, therefore I must give mercy. And this exchange really helps us understand that uh, without the mercies of God, none of us would stand, be able to stand before God. Now, that doesn't mean that if someone's being, being wronged, that they should uh, continue being wronged. They should speak up. They should um, also have boundaries in their relationship. They should um, 
not be a doormat for people, obviously, but they must do it in the spirit of mercy. Otherwise, we will faint. We will give up in our minds. We will give in to evil. Uh, we will walk away or put down things that God has put it, put in our hands, and uh, things will eventually replace the mission uh, because we can start to live in self-preservation. Well, seek my face. This is verse 8. This is exactly what God is saying. Seek me. That's my answer for everything. Seek me. Meditate on me. Focus on me. And like David said in 57, 7 of Psalm, my heart is fixed. My heart is focused on you. My heart is focused. Because what we focus on ultimately will feed our mind and our heart and will dictate to our body uh, eventually, voluntarily or involuntarily. This is why lust is such a dangerous thing is because uh, if we fulfill our lust uh, by reaching for something that God has not yet given uh, or God would not have given or gives, then what will happen? We feed our mind that toxic that toxic uh, sewer pipe of, uh, of the flesh and, and it begins to feed, you know, as we, we eat, what we eat is what we are able to function with, like you are what you eat, same thing, you, you are moving in the direction of what you're looking at, and whatever you're listening to is what's uh, programming you or um, controlling your future. So it's very important, like, to focus on the right things. So he seeks the Lord here, and he's asking God not to, f not to hide from him, for, not to hide from him, verse 10, his most important relationships is father and mother. <clears throat> That's a very interesting speaking of covering. Like if my covering or my natural relationships that are supposed to be healthy, if they're gone, then Lord, you will never leave me. You will never, uh, in Numbers 23, 19, you will never lie to me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Make it clear to me in verse 11. Deliver me not. He's just saying, Lord, be merciful not to have my enemies have uh, triumph over me. And then he says something very interesting in verse 13, his focus now becomes the goodness of God. So again, goodness, you know, God is good. You know, maybe today you have many things to thank God for, and that's awesome. We want to thank God for that perspective. <clears throat> maybe there are things in your life that you are having trouble seeing the goodness of God. Maybe you're in a trial. Maybe you're discouraged, depressed. But this is a way out. This is definitely a way to uh, navigate through the minefield of the mind where we focus on the goodness of God. Think about that. God is good. Am I good? No, I'm not good. Anything good in my life is from God. So when we think about the love of God, that is good. When we think about the mercy of God, that is, his, is an expression of his goodness. When we think about the grace of God, think about how gracious God is to you with every beat of your heart and your chest. Uh, that is the goodness of God. You're being able to see and hear and move and to eat and to um, live in peace in your nation um, there is so much we can thank God for and for his goodness, our housing, our financial situation, good or bad. We have maybe 
what we need. Not all, not all that we want, but maybe, but we have all that we need. God is good to thank him, to see his goodness. So many of us, it's easy to gravitate to the pessimism, to the uh, to complain about things we cannot change, and we can get so negative. And what does that do? The negativity hides or puts a bushel over God's goodness, and then we will faint if our focus comes off of God's goodness. Uh, then we will faint. We will stumble. We will back away, and we will eventually quit. But that's not God's plan here. He's saying, "Seek my face, and then seek." or discover my goodness, and I will teach you my way. So maybe you're in a situation that's not changing today. Well, God is going to change you as you and I see the goodness of God. And let that revolve in your mind. Let that go around in your mind. Like, look for things to uh, thank God for today. I was teaching that to my son recently. You know, he loves just to play all the time, and he wants all the fun, and Maybe is it's a struggle to do his homework, or maybe it's a struggle to do his chores. But every night I say, okay, Carson, what can we thank God for today? What was something that you remember that was good? And we just take a few minutes, and we glorify the Lord, and we magnify him. See, what you focus on will make, it'll make it larger in your life. It'll be something that uh, is very noticeable. And it'll, you know, for, for someone reading a book, for instance, it'll be letters that come off the page. <laughs> it's amazing. So when we magnify the Lord in the right focus, we then begin, number two, we then begin to give authority to the right things in our life. To give authority means to give place, to give um, the rightful position for something. Like, for instance, in our relationships, we want to give authority to our spouse to bless them. We want to give authority to each other to uh, give space for recovery. We want to give uh, authority to believe the best, like love thinks no evil. Uh, love does not rejoice in iniquity. Uh, we want to give authority. We want to give attention. We want to give our energy to those things so that they can grow. I think in a lot of relationships, things can become barren because we're either moving too fast or we do not recognize what is valuable, or we do not recognize those things that need to be magnified so that they can grow and, uh, and be a fruitful plane. You know, I, you know, again, speaking of gardening, you have that ground cover, you you know, you plant a little bit in one spot or in a few spots, and it just takes over the whole ground or area, and they flower, and they're really beautiful. They're covering uh, to those barren places, and this is what we need in our life, to uh, focus on the goodness of God so that we do not faint in the way. So again, maybe today you're thinking, oh, you know, I've got so many pressures or so many things in my life that are discouraging. You know, God is saying in 12.1 of Hebrews to look away and look unto him. Again, look unto him first and then look back into your, your life and your, your problems or your problem solving, the necessity for problem solving or critical thinking. God will then have given you a capacity to think through the needs of the day. He'll give you 
the capacity in his perspective on uh, raising your children today or uh, working with work details today or having to deal with difficult people today. You see, our problem is we look to our problems first. We jump into our phones. We jump into problem solving and we do not address the spirit first. Our spirit is what's needed first to be healthy. Our spirit's needed first of all, to be encouraged. Because uh, when our spirit is healthy, then our mind will be healthy, and then we'll be able to have a perspective that is objective. So again, our focus gives, it magnifies, and then it gives authority to the right things in our life. So many give authority to their past. So many people give authority or give into sin. Uh, but when we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh in Ephesians 5, 18. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? Well, it means to focus on what Jesus is saying, focus on who Jesus is, focus on how Jesus is handling you. Here's an example. Elijah in 1 Kings 19, he had an amazing victory over Jezebel, and then Jezebel threatens him, and he loses his focus. He begins to focus on the on the threat, he begins to focus on the danger or the accusation or the projection. Uh, and he and what happens to Elisha? He runs away. He runs away. He starts to faint. And God is so gracious. He is uh, seeking him out. He speaks to him. He makes him a cake. He brings back his absolute truth. And he is saying to him, listen, there are many that haven't bowed. There's over 7,000 that haven't bowed, and so therefore, let's uh, not quit, Elisha. Let's not quit. Uh, I gave you that victory so that you can continue uh, by faith and continue uh, looking to me, continue to be uh, walking in my perspective, my way. Another interesting verse is Jonah, here in Jonah chapter 4 verse 6 and 7, and uh, Jonah, again, uh, he hears the work of God for the, for the city of Nineveh. He does not like what he's hearing. He is uh, not happy with what God is saying about Nineveh because he doesn't like the people. <laughs> so he runs in the other direction, and it's very interesting. He's running away from God. He's fainting in his mind because he is thinking naturally about what God is saying. He's thinking naturally about, about all that God has shared with him. He's thinking naturally about the supernatural. So what happens? He runs in the opposite direction because he doesn't have God's mind. He doesn't have uh, uh, an objective perspective. So he is under the gourd. Well, actually, he is under a tree. God, in verse 6 and 7, he causes a gourd to, to uh, grow very quickly to shade him from the hot sun, and he's depressed, and he's telling God to take his life. Again, he's fainting, and we all do this. We all do this, but recovery is everything. Recovery is everything, but it's interesting. Uh, Jonah notices the gourd that's over him, and he, it says there in 6 and 7 of chapter 4 of Jonah that he likes the plant. He begins to focus on now the plant, and he begins to focus on the beauty of the plant, and he's so th he comfort, and uh, he begins to think about all that 
he is, uh, you know, it's, it's now something has replaced his focus. And, uh, and then the very next verse, God sends a worm. It says God sends a worm and attacks the plant or attacks the gourd and it kills the gourd. And now it's almost like insult to injury. Uh, Joan is even more depressed. This is so interesting because we can all get focused on our gourds. We can get focused on our natural comforts and our natural things. And God is saying, listen, uh, Jonah, there's something bigger than you. And I've, I've commissioned you to, um, to go preach to a, to a people that I want to save that are ready for the gospel. So Jonah, again, he is uh, moving. And I want to just read this verse. I mean, in Jonah chapter four, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we see that, um, you know, the fish takes him and causes him to um, be thrown up onto the shores of the Ninevite. I mean, he again, he's running away, and it, he's in the boat. He gets cut, cast over the, the bow of the boat, and then uh, the, the storm settles, and then all of a sudden, he is, uh, fish takes him. Again, he's running from God because his focus has changed, and, and then all of a sudden, God is the fish, He's in the belly of the fish for three days, and then he gets right with God. His focus has changed. His uh, mindset is different, and he's now surrendered to God, and now his, uh, he's no longer fainting. And then God throws him up on the shores of Nineveh, and what happens? He preaches in a very short message, and the entire town responds. Isn't that amazing? So I'm encouraged today that uh, regardless, you know, our disobedience does not change the will of God. Uh, it's amazing that uh, the detour will become the road in some cases. So wherever you're at today, maybe you've been magnifying the wrong things. It's just a decision today to say, Lord, your goodness is what I'm going to focus on today. I'm going to, even if it's a little thing, I'm going to make it large in my mind. David said this in Psalm 16, verse 8, that I've set the Lord always before my face, and I will not be moved. Well, what's before your face today? What is it that's consuming your mind and heart today? What is it? You know, if I have anxiety and stress and fear, these can happen, but they are not meant to dominate us. They are meant to... Um, uh, show us that our focus is off and to realign and to think with him. Maybe there's been a loss in your life. Uh, look at it from the perspective of, of, okay, God, that loss is going to make room for something beautiful that you're about to add. Well, magnify the Lord with me, exalt his name together, David says. Give authority to the right things so that we don't start to look at the gore. Don't don't or we don't start to consider Jezebel, and uh, all of a sudden she's more powerful than God in my life. That can happen. Our troubles can can intoxicate us to a place where all of a sudden that's all that we see. Well, just as we close today, we don't have to faint because of His mercy. Uh, we see that in Second Corinthians four one and four sixteen as well. 
receive mercy today, receive mercy for those things that you cannot change and for, and to just allow the Lord to love you and to magnify his love towards you today uh, so that we don't have to be miserable just because people may be miserable or people may be uh, discouraged or disillusioned. We can have our focus and mind be on things above in Colossians chapter three, two and three. It's amazing uh, to have our mind on things above, things above. What's above today? Well, we have a God that loves us. We have a God that cares for us. We have a God that hears us. We have a God that sees, knows, and understands us and is always acting. And he, what he adds in 1022 of Proverbs, he will add no sorrow. So just to encourage you today, and thank you, Lord, that we have a choice to uh, focus and not faint, to be, yes, be effective, yes, to get the job done, but fruitfulness, fruitfulness, we're going to be a fruitful bow. What is going to last the spiritual, uh, the spiritual aspect of, of what we're doing? It's not that we can do something in our natural that's only important. It's the spirit in which we do what we do. Very, very important. As we're investing in people, uh, we're not just making them workers, uh, but we're sharing eternity with them so that instead of just being workers, they now are worshipers. The, that's the difference between being effective and fruitful, worker versus worshipers. So I hope these thoughts encourage you today. And uh, again, uh, we are just going to magnify the Lord together, speak it out loud, uh, even if you have to walk around and remove yourself from maybe an environment that's toxic or uh, familiar, and just remind yourself, have your nose in the Bible, hear, hear edifying words today, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, magnify the right things and the right results will come to pass. God bless you. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.